Welcome to this Food Thing podcast. This is the place where we talk about our relationship with food, whether it is friend or foe, easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. I'm so excited to introduce our first ever video course, the Creative Recovery Accelerator, or for ease, the CRA. What story do you tell yourself about your eating disorder? What feelings and emotions are you trying to avoid with your ED behaviors? How do you talk to your body? And what beliefs are you hanging on to to keep you where you are? The CRA will work on all ED and addictive behaviors. And wherever you are along your recovery journey, it will help you either stay on track, start or accelerate further. Make peace with yourself, shift your perspective and get well. I know how hard it is to let go of ED and addictive behaviors, which is why I've created the CRA, so we can help as many people as possible. Just visit lovethisfoodthing.com forward slash accelerator for all of the details. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Prue. Prue is a mother and type 1 diabetic who has suffered with eating disorders for well over two decades, which started in childhood due to some difficult changes. Over the years, her relationship with food has evolved, but the roots of her EDs continue to run deep, and she is keen to share how eating disorder behaviors can impact life while juggling a long term health issue. Prue, welcome to Love This Food Thing podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. That's what you're supposed to say, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) We tried to do this interview. So Prue and I have met. We're best friends now. (laughs) Yeah, we weren't until very recently, but now we're just joined at the hip. We have tried to record, I think it's about three or four times, isn't it? About that, I think. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's lovely. You're wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And you wrote in, didn't you? Because you are um, a lovely fan of the podcast and you wrote in wanting to share your story, which I have to say is really something because it's quite a challenge to step up, even more so to, you know, put it out there and be vulnerable and. And share what's gone on with with other people because it's not easy. I certainly don't find it easy. I find it much easier to ask questions than to answer questions. And I'm nosy and forensic, so I wouldn't like to be asked questions by me. So I'm going to ask you, how is your, as we always do, how is your relationship with food? Would you describe it as a friend or a foe? Oh gosh. And I, I knew this question was coming. I'm, you, you know, a big fan. And I, I think about it often and how I would reply. And the fact that I can't, you know, just off the cuff probably explains that it's, it's still quite complex. It, it, it feels like it changes daily. Um, Take us through an arc then. Describe it in a way that feels appropriate because it is a bit polarising. I mean, obviously it's polarising because it gets the sort of discussion going. Of course, it, it, I'm sure it's many things. Yes. So I think I think there was a time early with the eating disorders, I would have definitely said it, said it was faux. It, we were not friends at all. I do think there are, that's developed um, you know, as as life changes and you go through your life journey, you your understanding of food changes. Um, and as I've perhaps, like I say, you know, with diabetes, but also with being pregnant, and um, at this point being um, a, a real fitness enthusiast, um, 
I can see its benefits. So it's, I, I think in that sense, it's definitely improved. It's no longer a foe. Let's say that. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, it's not the food, is it? It's how you feel about it and how you how you use food or celebrate or embrace food in your life. But what were your, a couple of things, um, and again, if there's anything that's too personal, uh, you don't have to answer, but what were your eating disorder behaviours? And then I'd like to go back to your childhood changes. Yes. Okay. So when you say... Um uh, sort of eating disorder behaviors. Do you, mm. do you want me to go back to the very beginning? I mean, I it's do. been a long, it's been a long road. Yeah, I do. Um, okay. So it started out very much, uh, as anorexia, um, okay. very sort of within those, um, you know, uh, tags that, that are given to it. You know, I was very, I started being very strict, very restrictive, um, when was that? How old were you? I could not have been much more than 12. I uh, was really little. Um, wow. And why? do you know why that was? I, I had had a couple of things happen at that point in my life. Um, I, at a, uh, well, probably about 10, I was sent to boarding school. Um, okay. And please don't, I, I have no issue with boarding schools. I know that some people have been to them and loved it mm. and I know people who have have been and and not loved it um it very much differs from person to person um for me it was very very hard I was now that I have my own son and I look at how little he is yeah I can look back and appreciate how little I was um and did you go to I'm just going to interrupt you. Oh, did you go, did you go to boarding school against your will? Um, it, it certainly wasn't a choice. I had grown up with all of the um, the Mallory Towers books. I thought yeah. it was going to be something. It it really was not. Bobby. Um, so I think I kind of uh, it. I was told it would happen, and okay. I kind of thought well, that will be fine. I know what this is all about. It will be fine. It, it's yes. not like that. It's not like no, that. No, I know. The, uh, <laughs> Enid Blyton, I read all those as well and um, thought it was exactly the same because they lived by the they lived by the sea, didn't they? They had that open water sea yes. pool, I remember. And it was, um, wasn't it Roberta who got called Bobby? I just thought that was so cool. <laughs> I know. And they went for midnight feasts and they yes. went swimming in rock pools and yes. it was not like that at all. Lashings of ginger beer. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it was... It really was a complicated time for me emotionally. Okay. I I really struggled. There was I I now I think back and I reflect on it. I was a little girl just really struggling. I would ring home in tears. I remember and this is a bit uh, this is probably something I've never admitted out loud. Right. But I would end every phone call with my mother sort of saying, mum, I love you. And I couldn't end the phone call until she'd said it back. I was oh. really, yeah, it was really. And, and, and did she say it back? 
she would have to. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put the I wouldn't put the phone down. Wow. Can I just ask, what do you think your mum, have you spoken about it with your mum in later years? What was going on for her? Because my mum used to drop my middle brother off at his prep school and he would be weeping at the gates while they drove oh. away. I don't think she's ever forgiven herself. We've never spoken about it. We, um, I think my parents very much stand by, it was the right thing to do at that time. It's a yeah. very sort of 80s outlook of, yeah, it's what we had to do. And I think my parents also had a real strong sort of keeping up with the Joneses complex um, uh. that was a classic sort of 80s, um, you know, family Yes, I know. I know. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All about appearances and don't discuss anything. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what it was. And, you know, I could probably approach the topic now and it would still be hideously uncomfortable for them and they would not want to discuss it. And it would, and they would even probably cover it up with, I've heard my mother sort of say things almost to remove the guilt or yeah. remove the blame, where she'll say, oh, you were so excited to go back. And I'd be like, I definitely right. wasn't. I um, definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and but your dad, was he absent within all of this? Was it a, a kind of the relationship was you and your mum, or how was that? A classic Hasty's dad, the, the children are not my... <laughs> the children are not... Are not my problem. Right, nineteen twenties. It's very Victorian, uh, isn't it? It really is, and and I have to say that you know, Aaron, my entire life, I've never had a strong bond with my father, and and nor of my brothers. He's he's very um, very closed off in that way. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I had a father like that. That's a, a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so you go to school, you start to restrict your food at age 10, 12. Can you remember deciding to do that? Can you remember, were you absolutely raging or were you extremely sad? I'm doing the polarising thing again, but can you remember what feelings you were trying to manage? So I th so something, something happened sort of between me starting boarding school being very kind of vulnerable, very emotional, and mm. sort of the eating disorder starting to take hold. And that was that was me being diagnosed with diabetes. So I was diagnosed while I was at boarding school. Um, sorry, I'm shutting down all of my... <laughs> or your files. Sorry. Are I'm your so files sorry. popping open? <laughs> I know. It, there's, there's no chance for us. It, the... No, but it's fine. We're still recording. So okay, I'll carry click, on. Click them close. <laughs> if anyone listen, if anyone hears a clicking, Prue's clicking her files close because they keep popping open. I so apologize. you you were diagnosed. Di di oh, and there's my email. So, <laughs> such pros. So you were diagnosed as a, as a diabetic at twelve. Um, so eleven. I 11, was I was right. diagnosed at eleven, and I think, um, in my mind, I thought well, this is it. I I can't possibly come back to boarding school. Like, surely this will be the end of this misery that I'm, I'm suffering. I'll, I'll go home. I'll have to go to a local school. I'll need to manage this, this you know, challenge. Yeah. Um, and that 
was not the case. I, I came home, I remember coming home, and I think I'd already made that assumption in my mind. So then to be sent back again, I, I think I, I, it, I was at my lowest point. I just hit rock bottom. I'd lost all control. And I think, I think eating disorders are heavily linked with control. And looking back, I, w- I felt like I was in chaos. My, my health was now in question. Emotionally, I was struggling. And I just needed something to hold on to um, to just keep me above water. Absolutely. And it's a very um, satisfying solution, isn't it? When you have no control to control your food and to control your body, it makes complete and utter sense. Yes. And that's, and I think that's just where it stemmed from. I just, I just looked around for the something that I could have for myself, um, you know, in this boarding school environment, with this health challenge I was now facing. And obviously, you know, I'd, got, I'd gone to hospital and I'd been, at 11 years old, I'd been given this entire um, sort of network of information about food because it's diabetes. You need, to, you need to know about carbs, you need to know about calories, you need to, and 11 is really little to know those things. But I had to know them because I was going back to school on my own. I'd, I'd got to manage this, you know, with the support of, of the boarding school team. Obviously, they didn't just leave me to it, but it was me, really. And so I'd also got all of this information, which, which you know, for, for an eating disorder to, to start growing and developing yeah. and strengthening... Yeah. I'd got everything I needed, really. Well, yeah, it sounds perfect. I'm struck. I, I want to ask you about how your diabetes presented itself because I'm a little bit naive about it. Oh, and I also want to idea. ask you why your parents weren't around. So let's do the, how did the diabetes, how did that come about? Just a quick sort of summary. No problem. Um, that's probably a good thing to talk about, actually. <laughs> um, so I I had been, well, as you want, you're perfectly aware. I was quite, I was quite emotional. I was quite stressed day to day. And all of a sudden I, I went back to school one term. Um, it was, uh, so, so January. So we'd started the new year, 1997. There you go. I remember. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. And I was extraordinarily tired and I thought, well, if you're going to be stressed all the time, Prudence, you probably will be quite tired. Um, yeah. But I also noticed that I was thirsty, just the most incredible thirst. And between lessons, I was, this is a bit disgusting, actually, I was going into the girls' bathroom and I was filling the basin of water, putting the plug in, filling the basin of water and drinking the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know why I, I didn't question it, nor did any of my friends standing next to me watching me do it. Um but that's what I was doing to try. I was just so thirsty. And I remember one evening, um, my friend had given me a carton of Ribena. Great, because yeah. I'm always thirsty. But yeah. also packed with sugar. Um, not great for diabetics. And I, I drank that. And just the exhaustion was overwhelming. And I remember turning to the matron and saying, I'm just so thirsty and I'm so tired. And I think if I hadn't said that to her, oh goodness bless her, she she 
she must have had some understanding of diabetes because right, right, the yeah. next day she sort of said, right, here's a cup. You know, when you go to the loo, you need to wee into it. And they, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, as much as I didn't enjoy the experience, I could to a degree say that, you know, they, they saved my life. I don't know how long it would have gone on for. Wow. Had she not jumped in and done something. Um, so yeah. your so type one diabetes is is it the inability to make a component of insulin? Yes. So your pancreas has essentially stopped, or it's a slow. It can be a slow process. It it sort of is stopping, or and then eventually stops entirely. But your pancreas doesn't make insulin anymore. Right. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, and so. Um, you need to start injecting insulin on a daily basis. Um, so, so is that what happened to you? You had to inject insulin at age 11? Yes, and I mean, I, I don't want to be dramatic. I know I know many uh, type 1 diabetics do it and probably far younger from, you know, some... Yeah, but it's a lot. 11 years old, I would have been freaking. It's a lot. Yes, I think I, I truly believed there was no way I could go back to boarding school and manage this, this issue. Um, I don't want to call it an issue. That's not the word, but this challenge that I could, you know, handle it alone. But yeah, much to my horror, that that was the expectation. Um, And I think that coupled with being away from home, um, it was just, it was just a bit of a ticking time bomb with things kind of adding to the situation and I just had to have something to like I say like a life raft it it genuinely felt like a life raft at the time yeah Um, I I understand that before we take a quick break um first off you leave to go to boarding school and you're really sad and feel abandoned and now secondly you've been abandoned again because you thought you're it was going to work out. You were going to go home. Now I imagine this is this is the point where you probably felt really, really very angry. Yes, I think I think I I think looking back, I was just very I was very angry, and it was yeah. at a time where you just didn't talk about those things. I'm sure maybe if I'd had the ability to talk to somebody, maybe express how I was feeling. Um, maybe, look, I, I look back now, it probably wasn't really a thing, but maybe some therapy might have eased the feelings I was having, but you just, it just wasn't there and you just didn't do it. It it, it was a different time. I, I speak yeah. like I'm 100, I'm not. Uh, but it was just yeah, a different is. time. And yeah, so all of that, I was just internalising. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Prue. We just had a major discussion in the break. You know what it's like being a cigarette smoker? I used to smoke cigarettes for a long time and you'd always have the best conversations outside having a fag with someone. And I find the same thing in the podcast. In the break, we're like, oh yeah, this and this and this. So we were talking about, um, Prue was talking about in the break about how she has never had any therapy for her, in particular, for her eating disorder behaviours. And it's only now 
fact that she's older and she's a mum and that she's more reflective and that she's in a different place, she's able to kind of gather the threads together and make some sort of sense of what went on. And should we pick it up from what we were talking about, Prue? Because you didn't you didn't have anyone and you said that you were feeling utterly chaotic and I'm going to add bereft and lost. Yeah, I think I think that probably I think that probably covers it. Um, yeah. So so I, okay. So you're at school and you're injecting. Um, briefly, how were your friends? Did you have a friendship group? Were you bullied? Were, was there any kind of separation there? How did that? How was that? Um, I I did. So the boarding school that I went to, and I, I won't name names because I, as much as like I say, I I didn't enjoy boarding school, but that mm. doesn't mean that they are. That they're bad places. No, we know I, that. I have, we know that. Yeah. This is your, this is your opinion, your story. This is your feelings. It's like, yes. in a sense, it has nothing to do with anybody else. It's your experience. So actually, you can say what you want. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I did, I, the school that I went to had only just started taking girls. So there was very few of us girls. Um, that meant that, you know, making friendship groups was actually quite tricky I was the only girl boarder in my year that's not to say that there weren't other girls boarding in other years but they were able to make those connections that perhaps I could I just couldn't solidify yeah um it meant that the friends that I felt I had you know went home at the end of the day and I felt jealous. I felt horribly envious. Yeah. Um, and they would show up in the mornings. And I I just, I, it was almost like grief. I, I can only describe it as grief. I'd lost, I'd lost my home. And it was like, it was like losing a very important person. And I just felt like I was reminded about it daily, wow. you know, as your friends kind of vanish Wow. And you're left alone, and yeah, it was it was really it was really difficult. How so? Did you stay at school until you were eighteen? Um, I did. So uh, I I went all the way um, from ten all the way through until I was eighteen. Obviously, you know, as as you get older, you you know your your feelings and emotions about home change and and they shift, and you kind of realise. Oh, actually, being with my friend groups is is perhaps not so bad. Um, but you know, I had I, I I had essentially gone through this trauma quite young, and the eating disorder had already taken a hold. So how? And, so did you yeah. spend your years at school um, as being anorexic? Yes, uh, uh, in the in the early stages, yes, and it, it then evolved. Um, and I think I think this is perhaps quite a normal thing. They they kind of change and and evolve into something else. Uh, I I then went through um, bulimia. Um, yeah. Well, because you're hungry, right? <laughs> absolutely. Sense. And you know, you're also I was being I, I was being ferociously watched once. Were you? you know, they discovered that I was anorexic and I was skipping meals. Oh, the 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 watching became, and there was a point where um, the anorexia got so bad, there was real discussions at the school about, you know, Prue can't come back here. She, 
she just can't come back. She's not coping. And you can imagine for me, this little girl that desperately wanted to be at home. Yeah. It was almost fuel to the fire. I just thought, you well, if you think this is bad, you you just watch because yeah. I've really embraced this thing. I'm really good at it and I can yeah. I can be even better. So that, that's I think that's just one of the things that comes up time and time again is people's feelings of um, omnipotence when they're not eating and that kind of superpower, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet kind of vibe yes, or theme. I, I'm really struck. I'm struck by the fact that your parents didn't take you out of school, but maybe that's for another interview. I'm also struck by your initial abandonment and no one, and then which was unbearable, and then being intensely watched by your school, which has been watched by everyone. So you went from one extreme to the other, and yet both were unbearable. And no one, I mean, obviously the school were doing what, the best that they could, I imagine, but no one pitched up to rescue you. No, and I, I, think, I think that was probably what, what blew me away, was it, it confirmed for me there is nothing that you can do, Prue, that will save you from this situation that you're finding so hard. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, that really internalised hard. Um, mm. the, so, the main go goal for my parents, uh, well, now I look back, the main goal for them, and I, oh gosh, I don't want them to sound like such, you know, awful inhumane people, but they really did seem focused on wanting to keep me in the school. That was their, their absolute goal. And that meant that there was a brief moment where they tried to get me in for um, therapy at a, an eating disorder outpatients um, facility. And uh, I could not connect with these people they were trying to get me to talk to because they were so focused on the eating disorder rather than how I was feeling. Yeah. And I could, and I, and it, the, it was just very clear to me that you don't care how I feel. You care about making me better enough that I go back, that I, you know, stay in this place that I, I just, I just hate. <laughs> I just hate. Yeah. yeah, it was very strange. What happened when you... When you left school, did you take the eating disorder behaviours with you? Were you released? You're not released because it's inside you. You've internalised it. So how can you be released? But were you released in any way? Um, funnily enough, so I, I, the, the, it was so, it, and probably even now, so sort of ingrained in me. And it had served its purpose at that time where I just needed something to keep me afloat. I needed something that was mine, something I could viciously control. Mm. Um, and it gave me all of that, you know, it was mine. Nobody else could touch it. I was yeah. fierce about it when people tried to, you know, stop me from doing it or yeah, I bet tell me what to do. I was a bit like, you know... Mm -hmm. This is mine. You, Absolutely. It doesn't involve you. Um, and it, and as much as, you know, eating disorders are very disruptive, at that time, it's all I had. It really felt like all I had. 
Um, well, I, I think we flag that. I think, you know, they can be very helpful because you can, it's an easy place to manifest your distress either on your body or with your relationship with food. It's kind of, it's almost, well, it's it, funnily, I, I don't think there is such a word as funnily, <laughs> but it is tangible in a sense. It has a sort of 3D-like quality. So, and yeah, and I don't think, think there's anything wrong with having that discussion and, and, and saying how helpful and supportive those kind of behaviours can be for a certain amount of time. It's when they go on and on and on and on and on and you can't, you can't stop. So did you stop then? So when you left school, did you start looking after yourself in a different way? Um, so it, it, it developed while I was at school that I, it, it shifted as I moved into sort of the, the senior years. Um, it kind of developed into um, perhaps a, a less aggressive form. I was still being very funny with food and my eating patterns and making up very peculiar rules for myself that, you know, I had to follow. Um, and I did swing into a period of bulimia. Um, and it, oddly, I wasn't, now I look back at it, I wasn't necessarily eating a huge amount of food, but again, it's not about the food, is it? It's about no. how you feel and how you control something and I just needed to keep that control and so can I yeah. ask you so my when I was bulimic my whole bulimic shtick if you like was about redemption and many things but it was about redemption and starting again and having a clean slate um and I think underpinning partly that was that toxic shame of fulfilling my need binging, whatever, getting rid of it. So I, I, mine was also about con control, but I always refer to the whole sort of transformative sense of it. You know, one moment you're one thing, you're full and you're stuffed and your needs have been met. Um, and then all the other emotions come on and you just can't bear it or whatever it is. And then you get rid of it. And I was the, the relief for me of getting rid of it. The relief that we could, I could start again, a new day, a new dawn, all that kind of stuff. That was what, that was my hook for a very, very long time. What was yours? I, that's so interesting. It's almost as quick as a flip of a coin, isn't it? How mm, you, mm. you shift between one feeling and another. Yeah. I I think for me, whatever stage of eating disorder I've been at, I've just, and I think as a person, um, you could, don't ask my other half, I'll, I'll speak for him. And it, just ha having sort of, it's all about control. For, for me, it's all yeah. about control. Okay. And, and structure. So like I said about those, those rules that I then started to form and put in place. Like I would, I would only be able to eat, you know, I don't want to go into food specifics because I don't want to trigger anybody. Sure. But, you know, I would, I would be very specific about what I could eat in a day and nothing more or yeah. weirdly sort of um, periods of time. Like you have to wait this amount of time. And it wasn't, I don't think it was the same as for you in terms of having to perhaps um, 
not not show that you can do it or, or justify to yourself. It it was just a control mechanism. It was yeah. just a control mechanism. That's I'm as sta- simple as it was. Yeah. I'm always yeah, just thinking about you waiting to be picked up from school and then later on, you know, not allowing yourself to eat for a certain amount of time. That's still waiting waiting for I don't know, I'm just stuck with the image of someone coming to to rescue Prue and take her out of her sadness. So who, mm, 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 so you've left school, you're in your 20s. So do you still have eating disorder behaviours? Do you, but also you do have to eat within parameters that other people don't because you're diabetic. So how, how, how was it in your 20s? You know, you're a mum now, you're feeding someone else. That must be an eye opener. How did you, how did you start to reconcile your, your feelings and therefore not play them out against your body and food? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm definitely not in the depths of it as I was sort of through my, you know, early teens, like well, my entire teens, really um, early twenties. It's definitely not like it was. Um, I still, I still find it very hard, and I, I should make a, a caveat that, you know, when you're in the thick of an eating disorder, mm. and I hate to speak on behalf of of those that you know have been through it, <laughs> yeah. But, oh my goodness, mm. I was the queen of manipulation, oh, and yeah. that went for my diabetes as well. You know, I learned to manipulate my diabetes so that my anorexia could run rampant yes and I was just brilliant at it and that yeah. you know um not a good idea um and I I genuinely look back and I have no idea how I crawled out of the depths of the eating disorder hole I mean it was it was quite all-consuming and very dark and I don't know how how I came out without any input. Um, so you've not had any any support around your eating disorder behaviours or eating disorders, however you want to term them. And is this have you spoken like this before? No. So wow. I, I, wow. Did, there was a very early attempt, um, which I mentioned before, and I just couldn't. It just didn't work for me. I think. You know, therapy and mental health is such a big thing now, and it's lovely that you can you can seek someone out that really clicks with you. Um, but back then, that that it wasn't it just wasn't there. But have you That's done that now? This is what I want to know. Do you have any support now? No. Isn't, um, it, isn't it interesting that you say it's lovely that you can seek someone out and get some support and yet you haven't done that and you've you're so brave and articulate you've been through as such a, a uh, I'm going to use that word journey <laughs> I always um, caveat journey because it drives me bonkers that everyone says my journey my journey um and I'm like, no, use path, road. But obviously journey is is the word of the day. I'm just struck by your uh, your take on all of it. 
so I, I I don't think I really don't think it's it's so much um, out of bravery. So a, a few things then happened um, as I as I went through my journey. Um, yeah, a few things happened. Let me yeah. Help um, <laughs> so you know I I started to my my eating disorder shifted. Um, I, I very much became. Um, you know, I, I went to university. Yeah, two fingers, yeah. mum and dad. Well, I'll just leave, shall I? Um, and off <laughs> right. I went. Okay. You know, because because now I was, you know, I, I'm free now. I'll show you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and off I went. But obviously, you know, you, the freedom to to behave and do exactly as you wish. Um, you know, my eating disorders continued, but just less aggressively. I'd go through periods of not not. I, I didn't lean into bulimia. I, I, I couldn't, I think there's a, a, a huge amount of dedication. That's probably not the word. No, there is. You, there's a real commitment. It's a real yeah, commitment. Full and time. I couldn't, I couldn't give it that. And uh, so I lent more into restrict, heavy restriction and hugely over-exercising. And that's, yes. that sort of evolved as I went through my teens, um, sorry, my 20s and university. And even as I started, you know, sort of my career, um, you know, th- that really flared. And that ha- was how I managed emotion. I, I did, I, I exercised. I, that's how I, ma- it became, you know, people say, oh, exercise, it's, it's your therapy. I mean, I was, I was, Mm, it was mm. extreme. Yeah. Um, so, how do you exercise like that today? I I confess I I'm I'm pretty extreme still, and I think that is what has has um, just become my constant. So, and if someone was to take exercise away from you for some reason, you suddenly couldn't exercise. That would be a a big thing. It it would it would be. For me, it would catastrophic. be really, it would be catastrophic. I'd yeah. be devastated. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, as I, as I, you know, my eating disorders, it, the the way I behaved with food mm. became less aggressive. Right. Um, I think I had to kind of take a step back and think, this is who I am, and over exercising or exercising perhaps more than the norm is a is a small problem does that make sense like it's Absolutely. a manageable problem yes. i'm not i'm not taking drugs i'm not i'm not drinking i can i can i can be addicted to exercise and and handle it does that make yeah, sense yeah like, it's like it's, it's like you grade it i completely understand it because it's one thing to discuss these things but to what am I trying to say? You know, it's about timing as well. Into three years' time, you might go, oh, actually, I don't feel the need to exercise quite as much. You might not. But compared to where you've come from, it's clear that you're in a much better place and you're obviously feeling in a much better place because you have a relationship and you've also had a child. So you are bonding with others and caring for and all those things you know yes and I think that that's a really good point because you know you don't want um your children to to notice 
And I know everybody's eating habits and the way they behave with food is different. No, you know, there is no normal. I, I, I get that. But I certainly don't want him to see me being overly strange with food and the way I behave around it. Um, he's very aware that mummy likes to exercise, but I, I feel that's a, a lesser evil, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, we're going to take yeah. a quick break. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing. I'm here with the not brave, as she keeps telling me, I'm not brave, Prue. And I say, okay, maybe not brave, but to talk about eating disorders, in my opinion, requires a certain amount of courage. So maybe brave is the wrong word. So I just told Prue that she's courageous. Anyway, Prue, you're going to disagree with me. What I've got the word. I found the word. Oh, what's the word? Maybe, maybe if it's just truthful. Okay. Because I think that's great. yeah. Okay. Let's go with truthful. Okay, we're um, doing truthful. <laughs> so Prue is very truthful about her EDs, which she hasn't really talked about ever. Which is, I just find it incredible. I couldn't have done it. So where were we? Twenties. You overexercise. So you still manage. You still have a mm, 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 an interesting relationship around food and exercise. But for you, you're in a much better place, even though you overexercise. You're very aware because you're now a mum. You're very aware of how you feed your son. Your your partner. Um, it's quite something to be a partner of someone who's got eating disorders or addictions or anything. Your partner, is he just like this level playing field that holds it all together? He he is one of those just remarkably calm people that takes <laughs> life as it comes. And I just, I wish I was like that, but I'm not. And I, like I said about sort of eating disorders, making you very good at good at manipulation yeah I do think there are times where I will use diabetes as my excuse for perhaps something that comes up like if that makes sense perhaps I I, eating disorders are are just they're almost um like a, a an organism of their own they just the way that they behave and I'm trying to kind of separate it from myself almost but they can crop up in your thinking you know even now um I went through a a stressful period one Christmas you know long thinking that the anorexia had had gone I could never go back to that level of restriction and lo and behold it only took you know, a very sort of stressful few months with some things going on family-wise. And, and you know, I, I needed my, my life raft. And, and lo and behold, guess what came along? And for a good sort of six to eight months, I was spiralling again. I mean, it, it's quite incredible. I was convinced I would, I would never go back to, to that space where I was, you know, back in my early teens when it was at its worst in that sense it's it's just it's just fascinating um how they i don't think you uh, lots of people go you can recover you you can get over it and i just don't think for me that recovery is a place i could comfortably sit in and and think no no more eating disorders. There'll be no more, 
you know, over-exercising or it, I just, I just don't have the defences. Um, yeah, maybe if you do more exploration, maybe if you do, maybe if you don't, maybe, maybe it will. We Can I ask you a question, which as you were talking about, Yes, sorry. Anorexic again. No, 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 not at all. It's completely mm. linked. So we made this terrific uh, product called a Creative Recovery Accelerator, which was where I would, it's sort of, it's all just all about how to, you know, a different way of recovering and what your story is and what you tell yourself, et cetera. And one of the questions that I ask in it is if anorexia were a character, what would your character look like? And I do the same with bulimia. Do you know what your anorexic character looks like? Is it an amorphous blob? Is it in the form of of a life raft is it a person do you know what how to how you, you see it it's not funny like when i talk about it i always i always view it as a bit of a life raft I've, i i always feel like do you know what the life raft looks like uh, uh, yeah do you know what i do like i uh, i see it as it, this is going to sound a little bit no. titanic nearly but it just looks like broken wood in a really turbulent, grey, dark sea. Wow. Yeah, uh, that is the vision that I have whenever I'm describing it. It's just something that is not necessarily, um, you know, the most secure, the most safe option, but it's the only option. And can you get on the life raft? Can it take you to safety? Uh, no, well, I, I don't think I even think of it that far. I think it's just a case of you either hold on to it or you sink and you, and that's wow. it. And is it the same for, for when you were bulimic? Are you still bulimic? Um, I, I, I'm not bulimic. Um, With food, In I relation mean. to food. No, okay. I'm not. I, uh, if somebody sort of, I, I think some people refer to sort of over-exercising as exercise. Yes, they do. Yeah, think. they do. In that sense. Um, do you know what your exercise taskmaster looks like? Um, I've not even thought about that because I've accepted it as as just something that I, I need day to day to make things manageable. Um, so So I don't, I don't view it with the same. Is um, it like a voice? No, it's not even that. I, 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 I separate it so much from, I know it's, it's, um, disordered. I I feel really, I struggle with that word because I I think to myself, then what's normal? Who, who, who dictates what normal is? So So what words, no, I completely, there's so much semantics so much, so the language that's been built up around mental health in the past few years and eating disorders can be incredibly helpful and also, again, polarizing, very repressive. And I think, you know, this whole, mm, this whole political time that we're in and people's response, I don't know, unconsciously or young people's response unconsciously to our political time and kind of right-wing thinking, I think anorexic behaviours are very fitting because I think anorexia is, can, you, can be viewed as, as quite, right, quite very right-wing, almost fascistic because it's so controlling. It's like a brutal, oppressive regime to not feed yourself. And that's, um, you know, I mean, maybe that's one of the filters. So I think it's very important to use 
the language that you feel comfortable with. Yes, I couldn't agree more um, with the the sort of very regimented right wing sort of internalizing behavior of anorexia. Like I would, you you would never behave that way externally. It's so extreme. But unless you yeah. were a dictator, <laughs> uh, y- yes. Sorry, I don't mean you know. to talk no, on no, no, of no, dictators no, anywhere. <laughs> no, I know, but you know, but there were countries around the world who who are fascist uh, yeah, regimes all over. But um, okay, so I've so I will just sort of move on. What what's it like to be a mum and to be responsible for feeding your son, or is that something your partner does? Do you do that together? How is that for you? Um, it, it, it's actually it's actually fine. I it. it I think you become, and I think actually having my son, but also having listened to the podcast, um, I think both elements have made me, um, I'm more able to, to sort of sit back and calmly reflect on things that I just couldn't do when I was in the thick of eating disorders. I think you you very quickly label things and especially back in the 80s, you know, labels on eating disorders. I mean, yeah. it was so, you know, you, you go in this box, you go in the anorexia box because you're doing this, this, and it was yeah. so very labeled. And now I sort of look back and reflect and I can see the emotional connections to my behaviors and, and I think having my son, you know, his behaviour towards food is fascinating and it makes me able to reflect. And, you know, he doesn't have uh, uh, perhaps a, a complicated emotional connection with food. Um, I mean, you know, it could, it could happen later in his life. But at this point, while he's young... Um, uh, I he eats when he's hungry and he stops when he's not and it's just as simple as that and yet so you don't find me, yourself trying to control his food do I try to control his food I I think I I because I'm so aware of that in myself I think I I try desperately hard not to yeah I try to not to do the things that perhaps you know were said to me um, not so much at home, but at school, you know, eat your this or vegetables or, you know, yeah, your plate yeah. or, uh, and I, I very much agree with that. I, I know that he naturally is aware of, you know, when he's, when he's done and I, I it's complex, isn't it? For parents yeah. everywhere, it's a real, yeah. it's a real balance. Do I, yeah, do I encourage him to eat the things that I view as being best for him or, do I let him make the choices? I think we're at a point now where it's a bit of it's a little bit of both. I, I guess my my partner, like I say, just very chill. <laughs> um, yeah, I do most of the, I do most of sort of the cooking in the house. Um, yeah, it, that's so healing as well. What do you? Is there anything that you'd like to, you know? offer that we haven't picked up on anything that you'd like to to say or I I I think what I desperately want to touch on is is the kind of 
the impact on um perhaps on di- so the relationship between diabetes and in for me anyway the relationship between diabetes and um sort of eating disorders and you mentioned before how you know diabetes food is quite an important element as is sort of exercise and it um you know it can be a little bit of a minefield and i certainly don't want anyone listening um who is also perhaps diabetic to 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 be triggered or you or find find ways to perhaps manipulate the the issue but i i it's been a challenge um you know, when I was in my teens and 20s, I was so focused on the eating disorder. The diabetes kind of went by the wayside. I mean, it, it wasn't, the diabetes wasn't saving me emotionally, the eating disorder was, and it, 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 and that was what was fueling me. I think when I got pregnant, and that was in my early 30s, um, so that probably shows how long I was just bouncing between, you know, unusual behaviours with food and exercise. It wasn't until I was pregnant with my son when I, it was almost like someone had thrown cold water in my face and I was a bit like, you've really got to knuckle down now. This isn't, this isn't just you sort of um, mm. running about and yeah. being... And, and I do think the eating disorders made me quite selfish. Like, you know, when you're on your own, when you're single and, you, you know, you've got no, one, no responsibilities and you've got no one to necessarily look, look after. I mean, world's your oyster in eating disorder land. Go nuts. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, okay. I mean, yeah, it's very interesting that link between diabetes and eating disorder behaviours. In fact, I need to educate myself a bit more about it. So just before we wrap up, because I've got one more thing to ask you, is there anything else you want to add about that? Or do you just want to kind of flag it up and say, you know, it's a problem if you're sort of predisposed that way? I I, I think it, it can be. Um, yeah. it, it can be a problem. And I, and I think um, the support that I had from, you know, every, everybody who's diabetic, I hope, I hope, has a sort of a connection with a, a diabetes team or nurse or, or somebody oh, um, right. okay and and usually can you know reach out to them and say look I'm pregnant and well they're going to take care of you anyway because you're, you're diabetic and pregnant they've got, they've got to you know right right um step in it to a degree but um funnily enough I think the 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 nine months that I was pregnant was probably the most structured and regular and consistent I was with you know not being unusual with my exercise habits and not being restrictive or or anything like that with food um ah, what a again what a I wonder if that was again a, a, a kind of switch in control hey look how good I can do I can I can look how good I can be pregnant look at me look at me go um, yeah, 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 yeah. But also you you understood that you were responsible for, you know, another little being and um, you stepped up. Can we, yeah. is there anything else you want to say before I ask you this incredibly difficult final question? <laughs> um, I would, I, yes, just my, my final thing. Yes. Through it, through it all, you know, the diabetes, the eating disorders, um, 
I, you know, my greatest wish was to have um, just a, a healthy baby. And I, I felt I went into it, I was really fearful. I was so worried, you know, the things that I had done to my body, I was really worried um, what the outcome might be. And, you know, uh, I... I have a, I have a, I have a beautiful seven-year-old. He's, oh, he's really healthy. He, you know, um, that I, I don't know what message I'm trying to give the listeners, but I just, you know, it's okay. Um, the help is there and the support is there, regardless of whether you're diabetic or not. Um, yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. And yeah, he won't be going to boarding school, will he? Oh gosh, no! Not not in a thousand years. Even if yeah. he asked, I don't think I'd let him. <laughs> Please, mum, send me to boarding school. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in your words, thank you so much for being so truthful. And if you were going to an island, any kind of island, any kind of climate, you have a store cupboard. You know what's going to come next. <laughs> seasoning olive oil etc cetera, etc cetera. what five foods would you take with you oh okay oh i'm so excited let me just <laughs> flex a little um as you get your lists out <laughs> <laughs> so the the top one would be peanut butter okay um, smooth or crunchy crunchy okay salted no or crunchy salted asked. uh salted 100 okay peanut butter oh no i've hit a wall um <laughs> <laughs> um what else would I take? Pears. I mm-hmm. love pears. Okay. Um, what else would I take? Bagels. Okay. Um, I would take... Gosh, I, I sound like this... Uh, it's almost like listening to somebody else talking when I'm talking about food. Um, I would take a really... Some really nice butter. Just mm. proper... Um, yeah. Okay, you wouldn't churn it yourself. You'd take it, ready done, ready churned. I, I don't have time for... I, don't, I didn't... No, I would just... We're too busy exercising. We haven't got time to churn butter. <laughs> okay, so you've got peanut butter, you've got pears, bagels, really lovely butter. And what's your fifth one? What is my fifth one? Come on, Prue, make it count. <laughs> you can change your mind tomorrow. I'm not going to keep you to it. No, it's on record forever now. I can't, I can't change it. Um... I would take, um, like, does it, can it be something you add to like a, like coffee or something? Oh, okay, great. Um, I really love, um, I won't name the brand, but like English toffee, sugar-free, um, kind of barista syrup. Okay. You can add to coffee. (laughs) Okay. That's what you can have. That sounds an amazingly delicious list of food I'll be coming to visit you on your island (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast and um yeah I'm in awe thank you so much Uh, thank you because I I don't think I would have felt freedom to speak this way if I hadn't listened to so many of the previous podcasts ah that's um, amazing this food thing yeah thank you makes it all worthwhile yeah Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Love This Food Thing. If you'd like to reach me, I'm on Instagram at Love This Food Thing, or you can head to our website, lovethisfoodthing.com. Join our community. Everyone's welcome. 
catch you in the next episode. 